Welcome to the 24-hour conference on global organised crime podcast from the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime. I'm Jack Megan Vickers. The 24-hour conference on global organised crime took place online in November 2020 and was organised by the European Consortium of Political Research Standing Group, the Centre for Information and Research on Organised Crime, the International Association for the Study of Organised Crime and the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime. Hundreds of academics, researchers, journalists and others from around the world gathered together to present and discuss the latest research in organised crime. We've selected just 14 of them for this podcast series. But I would encourage you to head over to the website oc24.globalinitiative.net where you can find recordings of other sessions. In this episode, you'll hear the session Criminal Careers of Italian Offenders. I would like to welcome you to this um, panel, which is now 4C, um, the fourth panel on this stream. Um, I am Filia Allen from the University of Bath, and I also am part of the ECPR Standing Group on Organised Crime, who've helped um, organise this fantastic conference. Today's panel, or this panel now, is entitled Life Course Criminal Trajectories of Mafia Members. Before I start, I would just like to, um, again, repeat a few house rules so that we all know where we stand. We have three uh, interesting speakers today who are going to uh, present um, and hopefully also with PowerPoint present their uh, work and their ideas um, in relation to this topic. What I suggest is that um, they present, they've been given um, a schedule of 13 minutes more or less, hopefully they'll stick to that. After those uh, 13 minutes times three, um, we will then open the floor to a discussion um, from the various participants. Um, while they're talking, we will also be collecting uh, questions and we will try and group them together. We'll try and not forget any and we will try and focus the discussion on the various points that they make and that um, you find interesting and you will, you will draw attention to. Um, so without further ado, because it's not about me, it's about them, uh, we have three um, papers um, and the first person who is going to talk and give their presentation is going to be Associate Professor um, Francesco Calderoni who's also um, a researcher at Transcrime in Milan and his paper if I've got it correct here is the criminal careers of Italian mafia members um, so I will leave it to you uh, Francesco to do your presentation thank you very much and 13 minutes well, thank you very much, Filia, and hello, everyone. Thanks also to the organizers for arranging this uh, very uh, interesting event. Uh, I followed the previous sessions and they were indeed very, uh, very interesting. So thank you very much again. Uh, while I share my screen, I wish to <clears throat> clarify our panel title is Criminal Careers of Italian Mafia Members. And uh, we are presenting here the results of uh, a project we have conducted for three years, which uh, encompasses a number of uh, different activities. We are just presenting here some of the activities, but feel free to ask for more. Um, 
the other co-authors of this work are uh, presenting uh, later, uh, on, except one, because we are only presenting three presentations, who is Tommaso Comunale. I just want to uh, acknowledge his contribution as well, and he's among the, the public, I guess. So let me quickly move on. What is a criminal career and why is it relevant? We call criminal career the sequence of crimes committed by an individual throughout his life course. Uh, it is, a, a, we can say, a prominent approach in criminology and has contributed to interesting developments in the last uh, decades. Uh, for example, uh, they, these kind of studies mostly showed that most criminals, most offenders, uh, the criminal career follows so-called the age crime curve, where offending peaks uh, in the late teens and the early adulthood and then decrease uh, quite uh, steeply afterwards. And, these are, and, and criminal careers research also allowed to identify different types of populations or different patterns of offending throughout the life course of individuals. For example, on identifying categories which are now quite prominent and famous like adolescence limited offenders, life course persisters, and late onset offenders, which are then associated with specific risk factors or uh, features in their life and socioeconomic activities. Uh, however, most of this research has uh, until recently focused on general offending population based on surveys and also mostly on um, populations that were observed for mostly in their youth, so between the teens and eventually up, up until 30. However, in the last years, some colleagues, mostly from the Netherlands, but also in Australia, started to publish interesting research where they had access to this information on very specific subsamples of organized criminals. And this research can allow to challenge a little bit these ideas, because, for example, these studies show that a larger proportion of adult offset offenders is found in organized criminals, meaning that uh, a significant proportion of organized criminals have their first conviction or crime later in life, which is uh, absolutely uh, unheard compared to, uh, we can say, mainstream uh, um, criminal career research. And also they showed another interesting pattern, which is not really surprising for those interested in organized crime research, but that offending persists even later in life. And that's another surprising element somehow. So the idea of this presentation, my presentation is a kind of introductory uh, presentation also to lay the ground uh, for the other presenters. I will pre present some, give an overview of the criminal career of a large sample of Italian math offenders. And I will tell you how we got the data and what we have in the data. Well, I will provide some descriptive statistics of their offending careers and examine four of the most popular uh, criminal career parameters, um, namely the duration, which is basically the number of active years and number of years between the first crime and the last crime in a criminal career of a mafia offender, their frequency, which is basically the average number of, of crimes committed every year, then the specialization, which is an index that basically tries to assess whether uh, an offender focus on uh, a, a small number of crimes or actually crime categories or uh, commits a variety of crimes within these categories. And then the escalation. So whether uh, the crimes are increasingly serious throughout their criminal career or not. Our data, uh, we had a great cooperation with the Italian Ministry of Justice and I wish to acknowledge their contribution because without them we couldn't present these results. 
uh, we had a great uh, uh, interaction with both the prison administration, which is called the DAP in Italy, and also with the Casellario office, which is the um, uh, criminal records registry in Italy. And basically, we started a process where we were able to select more than 11,000 individuals who have, have been convicted at least once in Italy for a mafia offense, and mostly mafia-type criminal association, the offense that is quite famous um, uh, around the world. Even In total, our data set includes information about uh, more than 178,000 offenses committed by these 11,000 and more offenders, and of course, throughout their, uh, the span of their career. Uh, so we have, I think, the largest data set of uh, organized criminals so far presented in the literature. And we explore our uh, data set to, uh, to understand a little bit more about these criminal careers. So you can see some descriptive statistics. I won't, of course, delve into the details of, of all of them. But one uh, interesting thing is that the average age of the first crime, remember, is about uh, nearly 24 years old but the average age at the first mafia offense is about 34 years old. So remember just this item, I think is a take home message, which is very interesting. Uh, of course, uh, entry into the mafia, at least based on our data, occurs uh, on a relatively adult age. Uh, but at the same time, the offenders have a, on average, we can say a, a kind of 10 years of active criminal career before joining. This is the uh, famous we can call the famous age crime curve. And basically you see a shape which is very similar to most uh, uh, criminal career and life course uh, uh, research in criminology. We see a peak in the early age, in, in late teens and uh, uh, early adulthood. And then the amount of crime committed by uh, our mafia offenders decreases. One interesting thing, however, is that it doesn't converge to zero immediately, and it stays, uh, we have a, fairly, a fair amount of offending even in the 30s and in the 40s, which is already somehow unusual for these kind of assessments. Um, I'm sorry, uh, this was the <laughs> age crime curve. And actually, the, the previous slide was the age of first crime, which, I, as I said, uh, occurs on average at 23 years old. But you see the peak occurs at 19 years old. And conversely to what I said about the age crime curves that shows some differences, in fact, we see very uh, many similarities with the age of first crime or the age of onset uh, in our mafia offenders. Uh, as most samples uh, displayed in the literature, they start offending at a very early age and their first crime is uh, when they are mostly uh, very young. <clears throat> On the contrary, the age of uh, first mafia offense occurs later in life. Uh, on average, you remember uh, the average uh, age is about 34 years old. And you see that we see uh, quite a variety of patterns here. And because in fact, some of the mafia offenders join very early in their life. And some of them committed the first mafia offense very late in life uh, in the 50s and 60s. <clears throat> These are some descriptives about the types of offenses that we have. You remember we have 178,000 offense in our data set. Most of them uh, are wep uh, weapons and explosive, uh, mostly felonies, so serious crimes about the uh, weapons and explosives. And then we have uh, extortion and then, of course, mafia association, which is like a criterion office that requires to be present for inclusion in the data sets, and then theft, murder, fencing, illicit drugs, 
uh, robbery and so on. Of course, we had a very detailed information since we had access to the reg Italian reg uh, criminal record registry. We need, had to aggregate a little bit uh, our um, different offenses in uh, different categories. This is a, a um, aggregation in 30 categories. So well, how about the parameters of the criminal careers of mafia offenders? Well, uh, these are the average scores again, uh, just to give an, an overview. On average, the duration of their criminal career, so the time between the first offense registered and the last one, uh, uh, the duration spans for about 16 and a half years, which is an average compared to the literature very long. And that's not, of course, surprising given, given the, the, the peculiarities of our sample. Frequency is 1.5, 25 crimes per year. Uh, it may appear uh, relatively low, but still it's uh, fairly high uh, compared to what we've seen in other studies. But here I must remember that we are focusing in on final convictions. Of course, criminal record registry only records final convictions, which are uh, which require and impose a, a final sentence in the Italian system. Therefore, of course, uh, our uh, data sets is at best an, an underestimation of the offending patterns of our sample. And then we have specialization. Uh, we uh, computed the specialization as a so-called diversity index. If the index, uh, it, it, the index ranges between minus one and one, if it's towards one, it means that the offenders on average commit crimes among many of the available possible categories. And the fact that we see an average score in the range of 70, 0.75 and 0.69, depending on the number of categories, suggests that our mafia offenders on average uh, show quite a versatile career. They commit various different crimes. We don't have many offenders who only commit one category of crimes, for example, only robberies, only drug trafficking, only extortion. Uh, and then last, we have escalation. On average, we, we see positive values. Uh, that means that it, the, the seriousness of the crimes committed by mafia offenders slightly increases throughout their criminal career. Um, let me sh show you some uh, distributions just to give you an idea of what I just said. So duration, again, uh, on average is 16 years, but you see, of course, given the size of our sample, uh, an enormous amount of uh, heterogeneity. You see the, 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 the high bar at, uh, at zero is because we a, fairly amount, a fair amount of uh, offenders uh, in the range of more than 700 offenders were only convicted for the mafia offense. Therefore, we are not in a position to compute any criminal career for, uh, for the scope of our assessment. They have just committed one crime and therefore we, we don't have any, a clear idea of the duration of their offending career. But you see that some uh, uh, offenders on the right tail of the distribution have criminal careers spanning for uh, 30, 40 years, which is definitely very long. This is the frequency, which on average, you remember, is about 1.25. But the, the, the fat tail or kind of a fat tail on the right shows that we have offenders who are extremely intensely uh, committing crimes throughout their career in the range of 10 crimes uh, per year. And uh, as, a, as I already mentioned, these are final convictions. So that's particularly relevant. And I'm going to conclude, Filia. So specialization, again, is slightly tilted on the right. It means that uh, on average, there's a kind of a, a diversification of the types of crimes committed by our offenders. And again, the escalation is slightly 
on the peak is slightly on the right of the zero, meaning that again, that there's an increase in the seriousness of the offender's uh, seriousness. So wrapping up, uh, uh, offending careers of my offenders, we, we had evidence about first crime, which is uh, committed very similarly to what we observe in the general population studies. Uh, on the contrary, we see an age crime curve that, yes, of course, is concentrated in the early adulthood. It doesn't surprise this. It's consistent with most of the literature. But at the same time, we see an interesting pattern of offending also in uh, uh, full adulthood, even in, in late adulthood. And math involvement, on the contrary, occurs at different moments in life, but on average occurs on, at 34 years old, which is pretty late from our perspective. And again, uh, we have a long duration, high frequency, uh, although we are using final convictions, and uh, kind of an unspecialized offending with some slight escalation towards uh, uh, the, uh, the advancement in, in the criminal career. And I'm done. Thank you very much um, for that really interesting um, presentation. Um, so next we have, is it Gian Maria? Are you, are you ready to um, present? So first of all, thank you uh, for all the people that are participating today and especially thank you for um, all the people that organized this tremendous conference. I think it's a great opportunity to bring a lot of researchers and practitioners and policymakers together to discuss about organized crime. So uh, with no further ado, I'll uh, introduce my presentation, uh, which is entitled uh, Life Course Criminal Trajectories of Market Members, which actually summarizes uh, a research that we published last year in Crime and Delinquency Journal, which I'll be referenced at the end of the presentation. Uh, the authors are, besides myself, Francesco Calderoni, just introduced the main data set that we use, Tommaso Comunale and Cecilia Meneghini. I am now a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Trento, but I carried out this work when I was at uh, Catholic University in Milan and at Transcribe. So background, um, as partially anticipated by uh, Francesco, uh, beginning in the mid 80s, there was uh, um, an interest, an increasing interest uh, from the criminological perspective on life course and developmental uh, frameworks to try to characterize uh, delinquency and offending. Um, this was actually a paper of Blumstein and colleagues in 1986, commissioned by um, uh, American institutions to try to understand how actually people develop their uh, delinquency behaviors over time and how to try to prevent people from um, engaging in criminal activities. Uh, however, again, uh, little attention being paid to careers of offenders that were involved in complex crimes. Works that were published in that of research, we're actually um, focusing on juveniles and high volume crimes. So no space actually for organized crime or types like white collar crimes. Likely in the last year, in the last years, especially due to an increasing uh, availability in the data on organized crime, there has been a new line of research that actually uh, originated, I would say, from the Netherlands with the seminal studies by Van Koppen and uh, uh, Clemens and colleagues, but also in the United Kingdom and uh, re more recently in Australia. So that's how that's where actually our research fits in the in the greater framework of uh, life course criminology within the subfield of life course criminology and organized crime. It, so we all know that the Italian mafia have some specific characteristics that actually um, discriminate them from other types of organized crime. So um, literature indicates that actually complex crime uh, follows specific career patterns, uh, whether they be longitudinal patterns or uh, uh, structural patterns, but you know, 
that uh, organized crime and complex patterns are different rivalry crimes and crimes and frequency. So studying the criminal career of Italian mafia offenders uh, would offer two uh, important benefits. First of all, the first one is the to the knowledge that scholars have on OC dynamics, especially again given the uh, data data uh, in Italy uh, foremost on uh, criminal on this specific criminal phenomenon, not in particular, but also on organized crime in general. It is a real, really uh, difficult phenomenon to measure. Um, so it is difficult to to create data and to gather data and to collect data on this phenomenon. And the second one is a contribution to the wider theoretical debate on the life course framework. So how generalizable is, again, the age crime curve, and how generalizable are other types of theoretical descriptions that have been developed um, on empirical basis uh, that, that we're focusing on other types of um, samples and, and, and delinquent uh, offenders. Our work uh, is basically motivated by three main um, research questions. One is what are the characteristics of criminal trajectories of mafia offenders? Uh, the second one is do they differ from those of the general offending population? And the third one is how do criminal career parameters differ across trajectories? As Francesco introduced uh, very well before, we also computed uh, um, criminal career parameters for, all the, for the entire population, and we were interested in understanding whether there was some sort of correlation and what were the patterns. Um, uh, that, that we can find in connecting trajectories with criminal career parameters. So the method, Francisco, uh, again, did a great introduction of, of information that we use, but for those of you that were not connected yet, uh, we rely on the PMM data set, which is the big data set that was provided to us um, from the Ministry of Interior, and uh, it, it actually were, it actually contains uh, data on uh, 100, uh, sorry, 11,138 mafia offenders that were convicted in Italy for mafia offenses from 1982 to 2017, accounting for a total of uh, 170,000, more than 170,000 uh, criminal offenses. So we believe that this is probably the biggest, uh, the wider, the widest data uh, offenders that uh, was ever made available for research purposes. And to carry out our analysis, we relied on, uh, well, let's say, a twofold perspective. The first one, again, is calculating criminal career for the entire population. Um, criminal career parameters are these uh, metrics that are used to assess, for example, the behavior of uh, and the, the characteristics of, of the careers of people that are involved in a specific uh, enterprise or in a specific uh, criminal sequence. So, for example, the duration of the career, the frequency uh, which they uh, commit crimes, uh, the, the escalation. So, uh, using seriousness, whether their careers escalate in terms of seriousness or whether they, uh, they escalate. Then we computed criminal trajectories using group-based trajectory modeling, which is this. Um, it is a methodology that has been developed, especially in the uh, public health sciences, to measure how, for example, were uh, developing developing symptoms to diseases. But that found a lot of uh, success and interest also in the criminological community. It was actually proposed by David Megan, which is who is for those of you that that, that don't know him. Uh, it was also awarded a Stockholm Prize of Criminology. So it is one of the most important criminologists in the world. And this is a, a sort of a, you know, we're interested in quantitative methods. It, it is a sort of picture um, models that try to understand whether they can um, tangle 
different strata within the same population uh, to try to map the heterogeneity of a certain phenomenon. And this is actually what we found. Uh, first of all, uh, the interesting uh, thing is that there's a lot of heterogeneity uh, in our sample. Um, there's no single type of um, mafia offender when we look at sequences of attacks. I'm uh, sorry, sequences of uh, that was from my terrorism research uh, uh, part of the brain. Anyway, um, we have five trajectories in the end. The first one are low frequency offenders that account for um, more than a third of the entire sample. Then we have HPO, which is high persistence offenders, um, which is um, um, a low part of the sample, 8.6%. Then we have early starters, yes, uh, that is the 24.9% that are people that actually uh, start uh, committing crimes really early in their lives. And then we have high frequency offenders again, 0.7% of, of, of the entire sample. The percentages might, may, might seem uh, small, but remember that we're talking about a sample 11,000 individuals. So uh, that is a relevant uh, number of offenders in absolute terms. And then we have um, moderate persistent offender MPO, 21.3%. Uh, so we see from these trajectories that actually map the number of the mean number of crimes that uh, each individual um, commit at a certain point in, in in their lives. So we have age on the x-axis and we have the mean number of crimes in the y-axis. And these trajectories are, of course, uh, estimations and are, of course, um, class, let, let, let's call them clustering techniques. So they are approximations of what is actually uh, undergoing uh, in, in, within the data set, but they are actually very good in capturing differences and in um, clustering together uh, people that have similar behaviors, at least from the, this longitudinal point of view. So what we found from um, um, when we try to, um, uh, when we try to understand the relation between the parameters and the trajectories. So low frequency offenders, again, more than 35% than of the entire sample are offenders that on average are born earlier. Uh, they have below average duration. Uh, they have the lowest frequency and seriousness and they present uh, a late onset pattern. So they, they um, started to commit crimes later in life and they're potentially they've been targeted by uh, long prison sentences. That's why uh, actually uh, they have this below average duration. Then we have high persistency offenders, uh, which start to offend early and continue well into adulthood and the peak, which is really interesting. And it goes against a lot of the literature on, um, in criminology is that they have the longest duration and their peak is around uh, their 30s. Uh, so, and they have a high number of offenses and a high number of violent crimes. Then we have the early stars, which count for um, a bit less than 25%, they early peak around uh, 23 and they steady decline. Uh, they are younger, they are committing less violent crimes and their average uh, onset age is at years. And this trajectory is interesting because it includes the members of the more recent generation and uh, history because uh, some of them might end up having other crimes um, later in their lives. But at that point in time, uh, up to 2017, uh, this is the trajectory where uh, the more recent generation fall into. Now we have high frequency offenders where 
they have high, uh, high frequency from the beginning of their careers. They are somehow the prototypical mafia criminal, uh, early, violent, and again, prolonged. And the interesting thing is that it, uh, 23% of these people are, uh, are labeled as bosses in the mafia bosses. And then we have finally mafia persistence offenders where the careers start with low frequency, their duration is above average, and they enter into the mafias in their early 30s, but commit uh, less serious and violent offenders compared to high frequency offenders, which uh, which is the other trajectories that, uh, from the longitudinal point of view, from the shape of the trajectory point of view, uh, might resemble um, very persistent offenders. But we see different patterns in the criminal career within the same trajectory. So the discussion, I'm going to conclude then. Uh, the main similarities with other examples is that, first of all, criminal careers mostly peak during young uh, adulthood or youth uh, with some um, specific um, anomalies, but that's the average, let's say. And then the largest, tra largest trajectory uh, comprise low-frequency offenders, which is in line with what um, actually the literature found. And then uh, we have less peculiar patterns compared to other OC samples. Um, so Netherlands samples or the United Kingdom samples. Uh, that might be because mafia, again, is a really different phenomenon from the organized crime as it is labeled in the, in the Netherlands and because of how the, the legal system and, and the judicial system actually responded to mafia in Italy in the last 20 years. And then the main differences, which are, I think, the, the most important part is that a, re a relevant fraction of the sample exhibit long-lasting careers um, with a high number of violent crimes, then we have a long duration that indicates that mafia membership actually has a long-lasting impact on individual criminal careers. And then the persistence, again, is remarkable given the strong reaction and effort play uh, by the Italian state to tackle mafias, especially after um, the, the, the 90s, so in the last 25 years. Regardless of increased penalties over the years, we have a lot of persistence going on. And I'm done. So uh, this is the full citation for our work. Uh, it is fully available to everyone, open access. You just uh, follow the link and you'll uh, see a lot of uh, details about the, uh, the analysis that I presented here. So thank you, uh, everyone, for, for your attention. And if you have any queries, this is my address. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you very much, Danmeli, and I hope that there will also be some questions for you um, later. Sure. Um, so, uh, thank you very much. And our last, <clears throat> last but not least, um, Cecilia is uh, our presenter. So I give you the virtual platform or the virtual floor. Um, are you sharing your your presentation as well? Thank you. Yes, I am. So okay. I'll. Thank you very much. So good evening, everybody. Thank you for staying here. Um, until the, um, uh, the third presentation of this panel. Um, so my name is Cecilia Meneghini. I am a PhD candidate in uh, criminology at uh, Università Cattolica del Sacro Cuore. And um, tonight I'm gonna uh, present you the third piece of, uh, of our research on criminal careers of uh, uh, Italian mafia members. And uh, this, um, this specific uh, research deals with the criminal careers prior to recruitment into organized crime. So as we know, um, while there is quite a bit of research on recruitment into gangs, research uh, um, on recruitment into organized crime is quite limited. We know, um, so we have seen that on average in our, in our sample of uh, Italian mafia offenders, uh, recruitment of course uh, uh, at uh, um, 
34 years of age, so um, during their adulthood. However, there is, uh, um, in our sample, we have some offenders that are recruited in their 20s, so earlier than that, and some other offenders that are recruited in their, well into their 40s or 50s. We, so we also have evidence that there are different pathways uh, of recruitment into organized crime that are linked uh, mainly to um, two sets of factors. On the one hand, social relations. Um, so you get into organized crime because you have relatives, friends or work ties uh, um, that are already uh, mafia members, basically, and that's how you also get recruited. Um, another set of factors is linked, is linked to criminal skills, uh, and um, basically the uh, capacity of using violence, the fact that offenders are trustable or their specific core skills. So these are factors uh, um, that uh, are um, appealing for criminal organization and may lead to a recruitment of offenders. So we, we have some um, offenders, as we said, who are recruited at a relatively uh, young age. And uh, we know that the factors uh, associated with young, uh, young recruitment age are um, an early onset because basically offenders are already embedded in a crime-prone environment and this uh, leads them not only to their early onset but also to an early involvement into organized crime. At the same time, signaling theory um, posits that committing violent and serious crimes in cooperation with other offenders can be seen as a mechanism to signal credible commitment to the group, especially for young offenders, who may also exploit uh, co-offending in violent and serious offenses as criminal training um, to, before their recruitment. So more in general, um, uh, in these uh, uh, type of settings of crime-prone environments, uh, uh, a social learning within kinship relation can facilitate an early involvement into organized crime. On the other hand, the, the mechanisms that have been linked to a late recruitment age are very different. Um, the literature highlights uh, how specific professional skills and expertise are achieved only later in life. So for this reason, late records may have a late onset or also even the absence, the absence of previous criminal records. They may have a higher crime specialization and higher education levels. So putting together all these ideas, um, this, our work aims to examine the criminal career leading to um, the criminal career prior to recruitment leading to an early or late recruitment into organized crime. And just summing up all these uh, um, ideas that I have presented, um, our hypothesis uh, is that an early organized crime recruitment is linked to an early onset to higher levels of violence prior to recruitment, higher levels of violent co-offending and a lower education of the offender. At the same time, late organized crime recruitment is uh, um, assumed to be linked with the late onset, a higher crime specialization prior to recruitment, lower levels of violent co-offending and higher levels of education. So to investigate this hypothesis, we relied on the PMM dataset, so the same dataset that has been presented to you by um, um, by my colleagues, and uh, um, where the age of recruitment has been operationalized with the age at first mafia associ association offense. 
The model is uh, um, a logistic regression where the dependent variable is a dummy for being an early versus a late recruit and the threshold for early and late recruitment have, um, have been set at uh, age 27, which is the 20th percentile of the age at first uh, mafia office distribution, while age 42 is the um, 80th, 80th percentile of, uh, of this distribution. However, we also try to work on, um, uh, try to change this threshold in order, in order to, uh, to ensure that results uh, are not uh, due to the specific threshold that uh, we have assigned. The, um, the independent variables of the model are the criminal variable and parameters uh, that has been presented by, um, by Francesco in, uh, in his first pre presentation, but in this case, they were computed only on the uh, period prior to recruitment. All model control uh, for, the, um, for the year of birth, and uh, um, we also run some robust analysis uh, that focus only on offenders born in the time span between 1962 and 1970s. Why did we do that? Um, so, you can see here on the left pane the age at first, the distribution of um, the, um, the age at first mafia offense, um, where early records are in red and late records are, are in blue. And uh, you can also see um, the distribution of early and late records by their year of birth. And you can see how early records uh, uh, were born in more recent decades. Why is this the case? This is the case because the, um, the action of the law enforcement against the Italian mafias was especially intense in the 80s. So basically, offenders who were born in uh, um, older decades, they may, may have been classified as late records um, because due to the, to the law enforcement action in these years, um, they might have been joined, they might have joined um, the criminal organization earlier, but um, we were not able to detect that basically. Um, on the other hand, um, early, um, sorry, younger offenders are early records by definition because they did not reach um, older ages yet in, when we collected this data. So to control for these potential issues, we did two things. First of all, we controlled uh, for the year of birth in all the models. And second of all, we presented uh, um, some models uh, where the analysis was restricted basically to the offenders that are in the uh, intersection between the two color distribution in the right pane. So offenders born between 1962 and 1970s. 1970, sorry. Um, these are the results of the full model. So including all the offenders, uh, these results are uh, presented in, uh, in uh, odds ratio. We can see how um, early records have a lower onset age. They committed fewer crimes. Uh, and actually, they were more speci specialized. Uh, they had, um, uh, the, the crimes they committed were more serious. They committed more violent co-offenses and they also had a lower education level. Results are basically um, symmetric for late records uh, who have a um, higher onset age and uh, they are, um, they committed more diverse uh, crimes, uh, less serious, um, they committed fewer co-offenses, fewer violent offenses and fewer violent uh, co-offenses. 
These are the results uh, uh, for the restricted sample I was uh, uh, discussing before. And uh, these results are virtually unchanged. Um, so all the um, directions, significant levels, and also the magnitude of the coefficients are, remain basically the same. So confirming the robustness of our analysis. To conclude, um, our research found evidence that there are different criminal pathways into organized crime and that lead to different um, recruitment ages. Um, our hypothesis on uh, early recruits is basically confirmed because these offenders appear to be the, one, the ones more embedded in crime-prone environments due to their higher serious offending, more violent co-offending, and um, they, also have, um, they also have lower odds of high school graduation. On the other hand, our hypothesis linked to um, late rec records is only partially confirmed because uh, um, there is no evidence um, of their higher specialization in criminal skills because they don't have a higher specialization level and also they don't appear to be more educated uh, compared to early records. Um, but uh, uh, they, they, are, um, they committed fewer uh, serious offenses and um, their, their offending was less violent in general. Um, this was it. Thank you for your attention. Um, these results are actually um, from a paper that is currently under review, so um, it's not publicly available, but in case you had any question, feel free to contact me at uh, this address. Thanks. Thank you very much, Cecilia. So, um... One thing that comes to mind as somebody who uh, works on organised crime is that this is a very interesting and important contribution that you're making. But um, uh, I, I slightly, um, I, I would like to, and, and one of the questions that came up was to perhaps explain better the methodology, because I know that you had to kind of rush the presentation for time, but it might be, um, it might be, um, it might be helpful for those listening in what, what kind of methodology that you used. And also, um, I would also kind of uh, maybe highlight the limitations that, that your, that your um, approach adopts and, and perhaps how it could also be um, usefully, I think, combined with a more qualitative approach. In other words, this is and I think there is space for both quantitative and qualitative methodologies. I, I don't have a preference, although I'm more a qualitative person, but I think that in order uh, um, a, a contribution um, for practitioners, for policy makers, as academics, I think it's our, our work uh, to work together in terms of mixed methods and, and trying, and this is very quantitative based. So I would like one for you, perhaps to talk about the methodology, the limitations that you've encountered, um, because I get the impression that um, it's very kind of um, contextless. In other words, there's, it's a kind of data where, where there is need for some nuance about, for example, um, and, and I'd be interested to hear what Francesco says because he was he was underlining the importance of the fact that you were doing, using data that was just based on the final conviction. And maybe you can underline the importance of that uh, to, to the people who are listening. Um, the differences perhaps between um, groups because it wasn't clear you talked about the Italian mafias but perhaps there were people in the data that belong to other organizations so about mafia and we're automatically assuming that it's Italian nationals and maybe there are uh, there, there are people in that data set which are not Italians and which might belong to other uh, associations 
the question of gender doesn't come up. Um, I'd be intrigued to understand how that breaks down in terms of gender. And also the minors, um, under 18s, you talk about um, your data set coming from the Ministry of Justice and the DAP, but what about the uh, whole kind of under 18 children or young people who are also perhaps starting their criminal careers? So I'd like to sort of maybe ask you, Cecilia and, uh, and Francesco, to sort of, you know, um, engage with some of those questions. So, okay, thank you, Filia. I'll start and maybe then Cecilia when can maybe provide some uh, insights into the methodology of her part. I'll start from your comment about um, methods and mixed methods. Of course, you're like slamming an open door with me about this. So uh, clearly, uh, I'm a big fan of qualitative research, mixed method research. Uh, uh, but uh, at the same time, just be very clear, uh, this is not what we have been doing here. We, In the, in the short span of 30 minutes, we, we tried to present one study or one set of studies following uh, this trend of research. So, um, of course, I mean, uh, a little bit the same goes for how about the minors, how about the women? Uh, yeah, of course, but <laughs> we're not trying to uh, to do an encyclopedia of mafia studies here, and there are libraries uh, already. And so a little bit of insight, a little bit of details. In, in our sample, uh, which are, of course, those who were finally convicted for at least one mafia offense, males are 98.2%, just to be clear, 98.2%. So I think this also calls into question a lot of research in general. So if we want to, for example, discuss, there's a thriving and very interesting, I think, literature on uh, women and organized crime. Well, as far as the Italian mafias and final convictions for mafia membership, in Italy, uh, it's 98.2% males. So we can discuss, of course, we can open a Me Too discussion and we should convict more females. Or we should uh, maybe consider that it's very likely that at least in the early years, women were disregarded by the criminal justice system, of course. Um, but at the same, at the moment, uh, this is what we know. Uh, nationality and residence, 98.4% were born in Italy, 99.3% resided in Italy. So again, uh, our sample, which of course has limitation, but as far as I know, there's the largest sample of organized criminals uh, ever assembled, uh, is very much a focus on Italian, native Italians, uh, ethnic Italians, um, as far as we know. Uh, we didn't have time, of course, to devote attention to different groups and types of organizations. Of course, we had it. And uh, we also published a, a big report on this analysis, which is already available. I will later share it on, on the chat and is on the Project Web Proton website, which I'll also share on the chat. 37% uh, were, let's say, Sicilian Mafia members, about 30% Camorra members. 16.2 Calabrian Mafia, so Ndrangheta members, and 15 Apulian Mafia members overall. So we had a, quite an a overrepresentation of Sicilian Mafia offenders, which is, uh, I think, perfectly in line with the fact that the, uh, most of the effort of the Italian criminal justice system, at least until the last, I would say, 10 years, was concentrated on Sicilian Mafia. Uh, we have four um, anti-mafia prosecutors' office in Sicily, whereas we only have two in Calabria, and that's just uh, also a result, of course, of the working of the uh, criminal justice system, definitely. 
Um, so I think that's a little bit about the framework and the data or what we have, of course. Uh, I think maybe Cecilia, you want to add something about the method because in the end we conducted so many different analyses. So it depends on what methods <laughs> you want more insights. So let's start with Cecilia. She will tell you more about what she did. Yes, no, um, before um, discussing the method in detail, I wanted to add something uh, um, concerning limitations because that's uh, uh, part of the question that, uh, that you asked us. And of course, uh, um, there are many different limitations to, to the data we use. Uh, for example, in my specific analysis, a strong assumption that, uh, that we made is that uh, um, we use the uh, age at first, uh, of the age at which the offender was convicted for his first uh, uh, mafia association crime as a proxy uh, to operationalize basically recruitment. And of course, this might, uh, this might be not very precise. We did a lot of checks. Uh, we tried to move uh, this age uh, three years later, three years earlier, just to check if anything changed. Um, so we tried to do our best to uh, address this limitation. But of course, this is a problem of relying, uh, part of the problem of relying on official conviction data. And I believe that this is a um, great room for improvement also by more qualitative methods uh, because, because of course knowing more about uh, um, when the offender is actually recruited, so at what age and when the offender is uh, in the end convicted for um, his mafia crime could surely help uh, our analysis. And this is uh, some kind of information that we could not uh, um, see from official conviction data. Uh, concerning specifically the methodology, um, in the work that I presented, uh, we relied uh, on logistic regression. So we, our models uh, um, have a dummy as a dependent variable, and basically they, they look for the probability of being an early recruit as opposed to being a late recruit, uh, depending on different uh, uh, criminal career parameters that were computed on the um, time spent prior to, um, to recruitment. So I hope that this uh, um, clarifies a bit the aspects uh, of uh, the methodology of, uh, um, of my research. Um, I don't know if um, any of my colleagues have anything else to add on methodology or on this discussion specifically. Yeah, so again, uh, that is a methodological um, technique that has been developed in the health sciences uh, to, again, map, uh, for example, the development of symptoms over time. Uh, when you look at a patient, uh, at his clinical history, and you try to understand, uh, for example, how some uh, strata within a sample, within a population, react to a certain drug or to a certain uh, type of uh, intervention and how the their clinic clinical history is unfolding over time. So basically, in that case, you have some uh, healthcare-related uh, measure, uh, but you can also, of course, uh, apply that to other types of, of measures. In our case, uh, we used um, crimes committed at a certain age uh, to try to understand, again, whether we can uh, disentangle different uh, trajectories uh, longitudinal trajectories of mafia members over time. So um, the application is um, 
it is it, i mean it is available on the most uh common um statistical softwares or packages or uh, languages whatever you want to call them and the uh, the big limitation of the method is that you have to make some choices regarding the, first of all the transformation or the processing of the of your data in our case we had this gigantic I mean, it was not gigantic in the big data sense, but it was gigantic uh, matrix in sense of, of crimes and uh, crimes uh, over time uh, in our population were not normally distributed. You, you had a lot of variance. So we had to make some operations to make the matrix computable. Uh, we had the, uh, to make some operations to make sure that the, the software was able to actually handle the complexity without uh, breaking. So we had to, for example, capping the limit um, of crimes within a certain year to 15, uh, even though there were mafia offenders that were particularly prolific and committed even more than 100 crimes in one year. So that was uh, the first choice that we made, trying to um, reduce the complexity and the variance within the matrix. And then we also had to put um, a sort of a limitation uh, in, in, the, in the age span. So because we had to re reduce the, um, the problem of the many zeros that we had in our matrix. Okay, so for example, we interrupted, uh, we interrupted, our, um, we interrupted our analysis uh, uh, on a certain age uh, while, however, we had data on crimes committed uh, even after that age. So we we capped it at 60 years old, but we had mafia offenders that were uh, so uh, young-minded that were actually uh, committing crimes uh, after they were aged 70. So that these were the actual um, processing uh, phases that we and steps that we had to carry out uh, to make sure that our approach was uh, something that we can compute from a technical point of view. Uh, then the other aspect that might be more related to the theory is that you don't have a ground truth, first of all. So you don't really know uh, whether the trajectories are three, four, five, or six. And you have to rely on some sort of heuristics, uh, which are um, you know, mathematical heuristics, but still heuristics. And you, com you compare different models and you try to understand how they fit and you select the model that fits better your, your data. We did it. Uh, we did a lot of sensitivity trying to different to uh, test different specifications based on the polynomial degree of the trajectories, for example, the number of trajectories. And after a lot of tests, this was the actual uh, outcome that uh, was more convincing from a statistical point of view, but also from a theoretical point of view, because we wanted to also uh, compare what we found with the shapes of other uh, trajectories found in other studies. So I think these are the two limitations. Are not limitations in the strict sense, but are uh, caveats that should be put, uh, you know, into the on the table when we discuss this methodology. Uh, but again, yeah, this is the. I don't know if this answers. It does answer. I'm not saying they're limitations. I just think, as you say, that they're caveats that need to be taken into account. So yeah. from from your from your research then, and <clears throat> my main question would be then, what are you telling policymakers in Italy? In from the research that you have produced? That's my question. I'll come back just quickly to um, a comment that Francesco made um, about um, the Sicilian Mafia and the Camorra. I, I think you just need to engage with the data, not take the data as a set truth, because I think that there are particularities about the data that need to somehow be taken into account. You know, the fact that I don't know how many percentage of women doesn't mean that 
women were there is is something that is quite problematic. And you say that it's normal for the Sicilian mafia to be convicted or have more mafiosi from Cosa Nostra. I'm not sure. I think that's debatable. So I think that the context is important to a certain extent. I mean, you know, there's space for quantitative, as you've done. What I'd like to do is to understand, were you then telling policymakers on the basis of your research findings? You've made uh, statements about differences and similarities with the literature, but then on the basis of this great data set that you've had access to, what are you telling um, the uh, Italian government, Italian judiciary, the Italian police? Are you telling them that all mafiosi are aged 32 and over because that's the age that you've identified as being the kind of average mean of, of a mafioso? From my own personal uh, research, that's w not what I'm seeing in terms of age, but you've obviously got a very clear data set. So what are the policy uh, implications that you would be giving to your Italian uh, practitioners, your Italian uh, law enforcement, and also European at that point? Because if we're then saying that your Ita Italians are migrating to other countries, then what you know what fantastic conclusions can can you give your your policymakers on the on the basis of this very extensive and very important data set? Yeah, this is an interesting question. So let let's assume for uh, first that I be able to reach the Italian government on this topic, and I'll be able to uh, talk to them and to make some suggestions from a policy point of view. I would I would say that the most important takeaway of this analysis, and I really agree with you that we don't have to take the data for granted. Uh, data are great, but we have to make some caveats very clear and they are filtered, they're filtered from you know the judicial system. So um, they are, uh, let's say a picture of um, what the uh, greater and more complex reality is. But anyway, there's a big takeaway, I think, uh, we, from a policy perspective, which is that there's no one size fits all policy when we have to deal with mafias, when we have to counter mafias, but especially when we want to prevent or, pre um, or prevent mafia uh, engagement and mafia behaviors. So we see that there's a high heterogeneity within our sample. That means that you cannot really rely on just one intervention or just one set of policies uh, to make sure that people won't join the mafias and to combat the mafias. You want to target the different trajectories, whether one trajectory is 21% or 23% or 30%, it makes a slight difference, but that's not um, uh, you know, a, a, real, a real difference from the content point of view. What you want to address here is that you have people that engage in mafia activities in, at different stages of their lives, and you need different interventions. Those that engage in mafia activities when they are 19 years old are really different people from those that engage in mafia activities um, in their 30s. Uh, even though they, the ones that uh, they actually join mafias in their 30s have some sort of other delinquent history or criminal history, these are different people with different histories, with different causes and motivations and pathways to mafias. And you have to be able to address them all. And you have to be able to account for the complexity because otherwise you're going to miss part of the picture, which is decisive if you want to have a long-term strategy. And I think this is crucial also from an European point of view, regardless of the fact that the Let's. I, I'm not a big fan of, uh, uh, you know, bringing the the Italian context to Europe. Um, even though there may be an Italian mafia offender in Germany, uh, it is 
you know, likely that his history or her history is really different from the development of the mafia offending patterns that we can find in Italy. But anyway, the takeaway in general from the life course perspective is that uh, within different uh, samples, within different populations of criminal offenders, you always have heterogeneity. And heterogeneity really requires a tailored and tailored strategies, tailored policies. You cannot really rely on just one set of policies uh, and think that you are gonna uh, rule out the problem of mafias or uh, complex crime in Europe and Italy. No, absolutely. But I, I just wonder whether the fact that, you know, you're saying that the age is so high, which is obviously what you didn't expect. It means, as you say, we're not tailoring an intervention at an earlier stage of younger kind of career, um, uh, cr criminal careers, i.e., you know, the young people living in poverty or whatever who start on a criminal career. We're looking at more sophisticated mafia type crime. Not necessarily everybody starts on a mafia association kind of path. It can be <clears throat> drug trafficking or drug running or whatever. Um, yeah. So right. I, I, I just, I just think the context, you know, it, it just, it's, it's kind of sometimes just presented as data without actually context. And I think, you know, this is context. These are people, and I think it's sometimes better just to sort of give it a kind of contextual. A perspective in order to then be able to say, you know, what do we tell policymakers? What, how are we making this research useful? And I think it is useful research, but how do we make it manageable? Does it mean we're only going to target 30 year olds who, because of your data set, is telling us that only mafiosi really uh, hit can I Can I address this? Because uh, again, as I, as I tried to say before, if researchers do a piece of research, uh, it's, I think, a bit out of scope to ask why, why your research do, do not address another topic. Or uh, of course, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, we, I don't think we. I, I listen carefully to at least Cecilia and uh, and Jan Maria presentation. I couldn't listen carefully to my presentation, but I don't think I, I gave the impression that okay, we are bringing some new ver and like new gospel to the to the debate. I, I think we, I just emphasize that of course this is the first time that eleven thousand criminal careers were analyzed. So um, just to, uh, if I if I may, sh uh, I think you, you, however, I think, Filia, you raised a very good point in saying, okay, but how can we translate this information or this evidence or research and outcomes of our, your research into policy? And if I may, I would like to show a couple of additional slides that I have prepared because, you know, the amount of information that we have were so huge. So if you bear on me for a second, I will share them if, if it is okay for you, Filia. Of course, of course, the more okay. you can, the better. Thank, Thank you. you. So very, uh, uh, because one thing that we are trying to do, for example, is explore how these career have changed throughout time. So uh, we didn't have time, of course, to, to, to discuss all this with you. Let, I guess you, you should see that. All right. So uh, just to give you an idea, this is the prevalence by age and decade. Uh, it means uh, every color is a different decade of birth of mafiosi. All right. So here on the right, you see those who were born before 1940. And the pink on the left is the other extreme, those who were born after 1980, right? It's clearly, there's a difference here. There's a different pattern. So uh, the older mafiosi received convictions later in their life for any kind of crime, even trespassing or uh, we had convictions for not showing up to the military service, just to give you an idea of the breadth of the convictions we have. Of course, these are final convictions. And certainly, if they stole a pack of, of, of cigarettes in a tobacconist, we will never have that, unless they were prosecuted and convicted for that, which is unlikely. But if we look, for example, at the age of first crime, 
more or less, more or less, all decades or generations, so let me pass this word, generations of mafiosi show similar patterns, except for the older two generations here. If we look for violent crime, especially in the early ages, again, very similar patterns, except for the older generations. The only thing that changes and stays exactly the same is the age where they were convicted for mafia offenses, of course, because we have a, a span of information, but on the contrary, mafia association was only introduced, as we most know, in 1982, all right? So these individuals were, didn't face the state reaction uh, at the same moment in life, in their life. And I think this is interesting. Also here, we compare here uh, the number of crimes, which is the red, how many crimes, and the moment of the first entry in prison. Older mafiosi were imprisoned later in life. And on the left part of the graph, you see they were free to commit crimes and being convicted for crimes without being imprisonment, imprisoned for many years. And our policy, policy, policy implication and take home messages here for many years, the Italian criminal justice system was not working at full speed, probably against the mafiosi, or eventually they were able to divert the attention of the uh, criminal justice system. Look at, uh, and I conclude here, Filia, thank you. Mm -hmm. and look at, look at the, those born after the 80s. Look at how they start committing many crimes or actually being convicted for many crimes and right away they are sent to prison. And in these days, they are sent to prison for longer sentences because for three times, the Italian state has ticked up the penalties for a mafia association. So, so, so sorry to interrupt. So are you basically yeah. saying that the, the system, the criminal justice system is changing and therefore that's why you see this shift rather than the criminal themselves changing or being from different backgrounds? Because one piece of research that I did clearly made a difference between young Neapolitans and their criminal careers in the center of Naples and their careers in Caserta. There was clearly a difference that the people who were becoming involved in the Casalese clan in Caserta happened to start to in their criminal career slightly later than the young Naples and there was a clear distinction and a, and, and a dialectic or a clear binary distinction between older criminals in the Casertano and younger criminals in the centre of Naples. So are you basically saying that it's the criminal justice system which is changing and therefore finally managing to um, <clears throat> condemn them at a later age or is it that the criminal careers are different over time? Yeah, I think uh, for, certainly I'm, I'm saying the first point, and I, and, I, and I agree that's what we are saying, that at least throughout uh, the four, six decades of mafiosi, we see clearly a difference. And the only reason we can uh, reason or have this difference and interpret this difference is that they have been hit harder, uh, the younger mafiosi, and sooner. Then, if you, uh, I, I, I remember your, your piece, and, and I think you're right, uh, uh, but we are not looking at uh, the Casalesi or the, uh, the gangs in Naples here. Uh, I, I could say we could have a, I, I think we, we have a, a provincial level of detail if we wanted to. So for example, we could test your uh, suggestion and, and, and findings from your research on the larger sample of offenders and see whether, for example, it stays the same, it stayed the same through time. 
because maybe this differentiation in the careers that you mentioned, and it's it's indeed very relevant and, and very interesting because of course the Casalesi are different from the gangs in the uh, Camorra groups in, in the city center. Uh, is it stable over time? Has it changed over time? Were they impacted by the criminal justice system? This is what our analysis can contribute a little bit. A little bit. Of course, it's not the final. It's not the final word. In relation to that, one could also say that the quality, perhaps, of the judges and the anti-mafia judges has also changed. I mean, one <clears throat> one consideration is that we're looking at more women being condemned because there are actually more women anti-mafia prosecutors. The first anti-mafia, first pro- woman prosecutor in Italy was in 1962 or 60, uh, 64. So it's not necessarily the criminals themselves you need to be thinking about, but also the context and and the system. With you're here, you, anyway, you're you're making an assumption that female judges or prosecutors are more likely to prosecute or and, and convict females, which, uh, uh, frankly, well, I don't know. Well, on the research that I'm doing, that seems to be the case. But anyway. Yeah, but you're, you're making an assumption that can be tested. So either we have evidence of that, well, either... The- uh, we'll see. We'll see. You'll see my public, my next publications. But anyway, um, are there any kind of we're coming towards the end? Is there anything that you would like to summarize for the audience that we still have with us in terms of perhaps the link with practitioners and and how this can be useful research? I know. I think it's Gian Maria who was kind of you know um, being a bit wary and diffident about Italy and Europe. But I still think. Um, I might be unique in this. I still think there is a lot that we can learn from the Italian context. It's not all great, but I think that there are lessons to learn. And you were saying, oh, maybe not, but I still think, so no, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I was, not, I was not saying. As concluding remarks, sorry, just to conclude, because we're now coming up to the end of the session. So please. Yeah, no, I mean, I was not saying, the, that was not my point. I was not saying that the Italian example and the Italian anti-mafia strategy is not working. What I say is that uh, we need more data. We need more engagement with policymakers. And I think that is crucial. Uh, it can be just uh, a collaboration or a partnership that lasts for the timeline of a European project or a national project. We need to engage more and more. And I think we have a responsibility as researchers to step out from the ivory tower and try to connect with them. But they also have the responsibility to try to listen to us. I mean, we are living in the COVID-19 pandemic and we see how science and, and policy should be able to communicate. And I think this is crucial. And I think it's crucial also from the mafia or organized crime point of view. So I was not saying that we shouldn't bring the Italian example to Europe. I, I was saying that probably at the individual level, trajectories are really different. And there may be different causes and different pathways that lead people to join the mafias. And there may be different behaviors because different institutions and in different countries uh, respond to, um, to, to, to organized crime actions and, and crimes in different ways. So I think that... I'm sorry if I misrepresented you. That's not what I meant. Okay. But there is always an anti, anti-Italian perspective. And that's why I just wanted to sort of draw in the importance of uh, your kind of research to a more bigger and a more important European con- uh, European context. And I think you're absolutely right, is that, you know, it is our role as researchers to try and kind of, you know, link the empirical to the pra- policymakers and to the practitioners and bring that all together. So on that note, yeah. if that's okay with you, because I'm being told that I have to wrap it up, I'd like to thank the three of you very much. And I'm really sorry that Gian Maria, you left the room and then you came back in. Um, I'd Don't like worry. to thank you very much for your contribution. Um, if people want to contact you, I'm sure they can find your details, but it was a really interesting discussion. So thank you very much um, for contributing to this conference and to a very interesting panel. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you for organizing it. You were listening to Criminal Careers of Italian Offenders. 
if you'd like to get more information on this topic and the speakers, head over to the conference website, oc24.globalinitiative.net. There you can also find videos of most of the talks, including a number of discussions that are not part of this podcast series. This was the 24-hour conference on Global Organised Crime podcast. I'm Jack Megan Vickers. Thanks for listening.